Welcome to church, everybody. Why don't you go ahead and take your seats? So good to be with you. Sorry I was a little scratchy as I first walked up. We got it all sorted out. Awesome, awesome. It's going to be a good morning in church. Man, Lord, send revival. We're talking about love your neighbor this morning. We're starting a brand new series all about loving our neighbor. You can see on the slide, we have a little play on words, love, comma, your neighbor, like we're doing something for our neighbor and we're signing love, your neighbor. This month we're gearing up for Serve Day that's coming out, coming up soon, which will be a big outreach to our community that we can all be a part of and we'll share more details about that next week. But today we're talking about us individually. Yes, we can do a lot collectively to serve our community and to love our city and to love our nation, but it starts first on our street. It starts first with loving our neighbor. You can have a lot of preconceived ideas of what this series might be about. You know, love is a really common word nowadays, right? So let's all love each other. Let's be kind. This isn't like a eyes glossed over, let's all hold hands and sing kumbaya and love each other type of a series. So whatever preconceived ideas you might have coming into this morning, just buckle up and be ready for fresh perspective. Amen? Um. So scripture says in John 13, Jesus is talking and he says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, us loving as Jesus has loved us, by this, your love, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You catch the weight of this scripture? Jesus is first saying, hey, I want you to love, not this patty cake, let's sing kumbaya together kind of love, but I want you to love other people in the same way that I have loved you. And I have loved you by laying down my life, by putting your needs above my own and fully surrendering all of my desires so that your desires could come true. He's saying, I want you to love like I have loved you, and by this love, others will understand and know my love. The weight of that scripture is basically saying how we love others represents to them how he loves them. Isn't that weighty? Um, You know, as soon as we put our trust in Jesus— As soon as we become a Christian, as soon as our neighbor finds out that we're a Christian, as soon as our family members find out that we're Christians, as as soon as your coworkers and people in your life find out that you have put your trust in Jesus, your life no longer just represents you and your decisions and how you're going to live your life. Your life now also represents Jesus. And everything you do, every way that you love or every way that you don't love is a reflection of Jesus to them, whether we like it or not. And I love that scripture. It says, by this, your love, all will know that you are my disciples. Man, if there's one thing that us as a church can be known for, like, oh, that Alive Family Church, man, they really love well. There's one thing that we could be known for. God says, this is the greatest commandment, that you love me with all your heart and that you love your neighbor as yourself. If we could be known for anything, it's that we would love God well and we would love people well. And as church people, we, we love God, right? We love God. We, we love worshiping him. We love 
Um, we love reading the word. We love being in community. We, we, we love pursuing God, right? In the equal amount that we are passionate about loving God, we should be equally as passionate and active about loving other people. Um, and you know, the, the truth is, is that it's really easy to love people that love you. Don't you love that? Don't you love people that love you? It's so easy to love them back. It's so easy to love people that think like you, that have priorities like you, that live their life like you, that maybe look and act and think like you. Those people are really easy to love. In an election year, with heated opinions about political stuff, it's really easy to love people that voted like you. <clears throat> it's really easy to love people that look like <clears throat> and act like us. That kind of love is conditional. It's based on the condition that they're like you, right? <clears throat> God calls us to unconditional love, love that is not based on performance or similarities or anything like that, right? This kind of love that God has called us to, we all know this, right? Love should be so easy, right? Like this is stuff that we know, but I think we would all agree it takes us a lifetime to really walk out fully how Jesus loved in every situation, consistent, consistently across every um, season, our unconditional love for others is not dependent on if they have the same lifestyle as us. Our unconditional love for others is not dependent on if they have the same belief system as us. Our love for others is not dependent on if they look like us, act like us, spend their money like us, have the same education as us, live in the same neighborhood as us. We can love people deeply, deeply that have an entirely different belief system than we do, deeply. Like, I'm going to lay my, my life down for you deeply. We can love someone deeply that has passionate political views that are different than ours, love them deeply, like the kind of love that Jesus has that lays his life down for them deeply. We can love someone deeply. This month, you know, is, is a pride month. We can love someone deeply and passionately who has a different understanding of gender identity and sexuality. Love them and care for them deeply. As believers, we love we love deeply, we care deeply, we show kindness genuinely, amen? This should be so simple, love. You know, in the Old Testament, there was 10 commandments and all of these legalities, and Jesus said, hey, everything that God said in the Old Testament, it's summed up in this, love. Love God and love others, but love isn't easy, you know, this one commandment, if that's the only thing, you know, thousands of verses in the scripture, if the only verse in the scripture that we had was to love God and to love our neighbor, we'd have our work cut out for us, right? Because love is not easy. It's not easy to be patient. 
Sometimes it's not easy to be kind. It's not easy to not keep a record of wrongs. It's not easy to put others' needs above our own. It's not easy to sometimes not envy the good that other people have. Many of us are familiar with the scripture in 1 Corinthians 13 that defines love. It defines, Jesus defines it like this. Love suffers long. That's another way to say patience. A lot of other scriptures say love is patient or suffers long. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. This is what we're called to do. This is who we're called to be. And I know in Bible school or somewhere along the way, I was taught if you're wanting to work on your love walk, then just everywhere that the word love is in this scripture, insert the pronoun I. I am patient. I am kind. I don't envy. I don't parade myself. I'm not puffed up. I don't behave rudely or don't seek my own. Love. We can't skip over love. Love is the primary thing. It's what it's all about, right? You know, Eric and I are parents of three young kids, and so we read parenting books. Every parenting book basically says the same thing. The foundation to good parenting is a loving home, a home that, uh, that kids feel secure and that they, they're deeply loved unconditionally. The foundation to any relationship book, whether it's friendships or in the workplace or in a marriage, the foundation to any healthy relationship is love putting other people's needs above your own, right? It's the primary thing. It's the main thing. And on the flip side, you know, we can chase after a lot of things and not have love when we, I mean, we miss the whole thing. You know, we can gain the whole world but lose our soul, chase our ambitions and our dreams and have not love and we have nothing. You know, when it comes to um, our relationship with God and living in church community, I mean, we can attend all the services, join all the crews, all the basics classes, and do all the service outreaches, but if we don't have love, it's nothing. And that's the scary thing in church community is that we can be so focused on loving God We can fall into spiritual pride and we can think because I'm doing all of these things for God, I must have love. But scripture says, man, we can have great faith without love. We can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We can operate in the gifts of the Spirit and not have love. Scripture says that we can give all of our money to the poor and not have love. You see that in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 2. I'll go ahead and read it. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging symbol. Basically, you've become super annoying. (laughs) And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand the mysteries and the knowledge, and though I have faith, I can move mountains with my faith, but I have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all of my gifts to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. Wow. Love is the main thing. Love is the primary thing. And we could keep talking about all of these things about love kind of in this philosophical big picture, like this is what love is type of a way. 
But man, I love how Jesus makes it so simple. Like, great, I need to walk in love and love, 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 but how can I walk out with something tangible this morning? Jesus says it to us. In Mark 12, 30 through 31, we've been talking about it, but here's the scripture. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all of your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is this, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Your neighbor, literally your neighbor, the man or woman that lives next to you on your street, love him or her first. Where do I start with this? Where, how do I love better? I want to increase my love walk. Love your neighbor, your literal neighbor. Who is it? Who is he or she? You know, we live in this global world where we're all on social media platforms and, you know, it could be said that anywhere, anyone on the globe is your neighbor. And that's true. There's an element of truth in that, right? We're all neighbors per se. We got to love everybody. You know, anybody on your friend list or anybody that you follow. We're all neighbors and we all got to love each other. And yes, there's truth in that. But there's something about local, there's something about the accountability of living well, loving well the people on your street. There's something accountable about that. You know, anyone can be an expert on love online. But to, but to actually live it out and to build a reputation, to have a good name of someone who loves really well, is always there to serve other people, is always there putting others' needs above their own, that happens at the local level. That happens with your neighbor. You know, we, we talk about shopping local. local. I want to encourage you this morning, live local. Love local. You know, we have a global heart. We support missionaries, as Eric was talking about at the beginning of the message. God said, you know, go into all of the world and preach the gospel, and we do that. But, but even that scripture talks about go first to Jerusalem and then Judea and then the ends of the world. Can't ch change the world unless we first start with our street, our neighbor. So I'm talking about your literal neighbor this morning. Like, we're getting super practical. Do you know your neighbor's names? Do you know your neighbor's phone numbers? When is the last time that your neighbor has experienced a random act of kindness from you? Who lives on your street? And if you don't know your neighbor's name, you don't have your neighbor's phone number, that's your simple homework this week. It's hard to love your neighbor when you don't know their name. It's hard to serve them when you don't have their phone number. And maybe you've lived in your neighborhood for years. Maybe it's a good time to bake some cookies this week and go deliver and say, hey, we've lived here a long time. I don't know that we've ever met. I would love to meet you, neighbor. <laughs> I think it's about time that we get to know each other. Loving our neighbor really well. Because here's what I believe with all my heart. We are here in this time, in this space, on purpose. Where we live is on purpose. Where we work is on purpose. The people that we intersect with on a daily, weekly, monthly basis is on purpose. During the This Is Us series, I shared this scripture. I want to share it again because it's so powerful. It's so true in the context of what we're talking about here. Acts 17, verse 26 
says, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. He has determined their pre-appointed, he, God, has appointed their, our pre-appointed times when we're alive on earth and the boundaries of their dwelling. Man, if, if God has predetermined it, then there's purpose in it. God has predetermined our times. We could have been born in any moment of the history of the earth, but we were born in this season to be alive in 2021. Aren't you glad? We are alive in a season of air conditioners and light bulbs and Starbucks coffee. I mean, we could be alive at any point, but we're alive today. And it says, and God predetermined our bo- the boundaries of our dwelling. It's not by accident that you live where you live. It's on purpose for a purpose. And aren't you glad that God pre-appointed for us to be born in the land of the free? What an amazing blessing we have. He has predetermined because of that, because he has determined where all of us have been born and at what season we've been born, the relationships in those intersects are full of purpose and destiny. Your current neighbors are your neighbors on purpose. Your current coworkers are your coworkers on purpose. The current people maybe on your bowling league or the, the parents that you're meeting in the stands at your kids' soccer games or whatever it might be, the community group that you're a part of, all of those relationships are on purpose and for a purpose. You know, it's humbling to think, okay, there's like 7.7 billion people on the planet right now. And if we start to think about, okay, who are my neighbors? Okay, who are the people that I work with? Okay, who are the people in my immediate boundary of my dwelling or the boundary of my life? Who are those people? The people outside of my family that just happen to be in the sphere of my life right now. And maybe for some of you guys, it's two people. Maybe for some, it's like 50 people or maybe even up to 100 people. Out of all the 7.7 billion people on the planet, those are the people that God has chosen to intersect our life in this moment. Isn't that humbling? Like we all want to change the world. We all want to love really big. We all want to make a difference. And God's like, hey, make a difference with these two people. Make a difference. Love these 50 people or however many people are in your sphere really, really well. You know, we can't change the world, but we can change our world. If God has pre-appointed these things, then there's kingdom purpose in it. And, you know, um, I remember in college, I remember senior year of college, I went to school to be a teacher. It was the fall of my senior year. Eric and I were engaged. We were getting married in less than a year. I was there just for the fall because then in the spring I was going to move home to student teach. And I have a distinct memory of going back to school that fall and kind of being like, I'm just going to really fly under the radar this year. Like, I'm only going to know these people for another three months, and then I'm moving back home, and then we're moving to Oklahoma. Like, I don't really want to invest my life, build relationships, love well in this season. And I remember the Lord really challenged me, like, no, you are here for a purpose. Fully be present in the relationships that I have put in your life, even if you know these relationships are just here for the next three months. And so I did it. And I can honestly say that last fall semester on campus, I had some of the richest 
friendship memories and moments. One of the girls that I became really close with ended up singing in our wedding, and it was just a really rich time because I, I chose to be fully present and invest in those relationships. And it's a, it's a lesson that I've taken with me since that time. We don't know how long we're going to be neighbors with someone. We don't know how long we're going to be coworkers with someone. We don't know, or maybe you do know, and you're like, I'm leaving this job in two months, and I'm, I'm way flying under the radar. Or I know I'm moving, and so I'm just going to disconnect my heart. But no, be fully present in every relationship, loving well, serving well in every moment, in every relationship that God has put across your path. Okay, so we're talking about loving our neighbors really well. Eric and I are reading a book called Empowering Leaders by a pastor named Michael Fletcher, and he talks about this scripture we're talking about, how God has predetermined our boundaries and our times and our seasons, and he uses this principle of the bed, the buck, and the burden. And he talks about, based on that scripture, that we have a spiritual jurisdiction, which basically means we have a spiritual responsibility to the people that are in our life according to our bed, which is where we live, who are those people, according to our buck, where we earn a living, and according to our burden. We all have different burdens. Like maybe you have a burden for... Um, or for orphans in India, or maybe you have a burden for middle schoolers that are addicted to drugs, or maybe you have a burden for widows or people that are elderly without a family. You have a burden that's unlike other people's burden. There's a spiritual accountability and a spiritual um, responsibility with that. And in his book, he says this. I'll just show you one of the quotes. He says, you're bad where you live is part of your spiritual jurisdiction or your spiritual responsibility. And God has called you to make a difference there, in your city, in your neighborhood, and on your street. So, question of the day, the question of the morning, who are those people? If you're taking notes this morning, write down a couple names that God has been burdening your heart. Who are your neighbors? Who are your coworkers? Who are people in your life that God is calling you to love and to pray for? If you're not taking notes, maybe next Sunday start taking notes. No, I'm just kidding, kind of. Um, pull out your phone and open up the notes app. Or like I do like 10 times a day, email yourself a list of names. Who are those people? This is all great in theory and yay, hurrah. But really this week, what if you went and you loved one of these people? What if you did go bake cookies and deliver them to your neighbors and say, hey, I just want to introduce myself. I'm so-and-so. Here's my phone number. Here's some cookies. It's good to be your neighbor. Let me know if you need anything. Or for your coworkers, intentionally investing in that relationship outside of work responsibilities. Write down some names. And when is the last time you prayed for them or done a random act of kindness or served them or prayed for them in some way? And then maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I don't have any names. I live on a dirt road, I literally don't have any neighbors. And I'm retired, or I'm a stay-at-home mom, or I'm self-employed and I don't have to work with people. <laughs> then you need to go find some names. You need to go find some people. You need to go get involved in the local community. Go join the bowling league. Go join a community group. Go somehow become friends with local people because God has called us to love our neighbor. You know, we intentionally have a church culture here that we don't have a million and one things on every night of the week, and we do that intentionally. We say, hey, make it a priority to be here Sunday mornings to attend and to serve, because, man, God said that let's assemble together and not forsake that. We're better together. This is a place of strength for all of us. 
And we have small groups because we see the tradition in scripture that we not only meet in the temple, but we meet home, home to home and we have tight knit relationships midweek through small groups or crews. And when basics happens, we tell our crews to stop meeting because we don't want to have more than one midweek thing happening at a time that limits your margin to be able to be the church outside of the walls of the church and be engaged in local community. Um, and so who are those names? Who are those people? I'll close with saying this. America used to be a Christian nation where it was assumed that people had some kind of tradition of faith that they grew up in. And man, if you weren't, if faith wasn't a big part of your life, if God wasn't a big part of your life, then um, when you got out of college, when you started to be an adult, you'll go back to your faith. Or when you start having kids, you'll start going back to church because you'll want them to know the truth of the word. You want them to have a relationship with God. Or maybe when hardship struck or something bad happens, you're gonna you're gonna come back in and make your relationship with God important. That used to be the case. But I think you guys have probably heard we don't America's not really labeled as a Christian nation anymore. It's more of a postmodern nation. And most people are saying we are becoming a post. Christian nation, where people aren't going back to church because they weren't there in the first place. This generation that's growing up, we're, we're going on our second and third generation of families that have never been in church. There's no reference point for a relationship with God. There's no history of that. And so for, for someone who, the, the, the truly lost people in our community are not meeting Jesus, are usually not meeting Jesus for the first time in a church service in person, or not even necessarily online. The truly lost people, very far from God, are meeting Jesus first when they meet you. They're meeting the love of Jesus first when you decide to love your neighbor. You know, Jesus's model for changing the world was the mobilized believer loving their neighbor really well. It's our responsibility, each and every one of us, to love really well. Because you don't know if you're not the only person in their life that has a relationship with Jesus. You're the only person that could be praying for them, loving them really well. Um, you know, because people won't desire to believe like you believe about God until they experience the love of God through your life. I'm sure you've heard it said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So out of the 7.7 billion people on the planet today, in this moment, who is your one neighbor? Who's your one coworker? Who's the people in your sphere that God is saying, love them, love them really, really well. If we don't have love, we don't have anything. Let's love our neighbor really, really well. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. And Lord, we thank you that you trust us. You could have waved your hand. You could have saved the world any way you wanted to. You could have displayed your love to the world any way you wanted to. And God, you did it with your son Jesus on the cross. And then you said to us, go and 
love God and love your neighbor. So Lord, help us. Lord, help us be aware of the neighbor, the coworker, the mom on the bleachers next to us, the person in our league or in the community group. And Lord, help us love really well. Lord, we lift up those names that are on our heart that we wrote down, that we emailed to ourselves. Lord, we lift up those names, those people. Lord, we thank you that you love them and you have a plan for them. Help us love them really well. And Lord, do a move in their life. Holy Spirit, move on their hearts that they might know your love, both through knowledge and through experience. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Are y'all doing good? Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, we never want to close service without giving the invitation. Jesus said, all who come to me, all who call on the name of the Lord would be saved. Jesus has done everything that he has that He has to do to have relationship with us. He came and gave his all. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We serve a God that we don't have to, we serve a God who loves us unconditionally. We don't have to live a certain way. We don't have to believe a certain way. Well, we have to believe in his son, but we, we don't have to have it all figured out to have relationship with him. God just says, hey, just believe that I'm God and believe that I sent my son to die for you, that we could have relationship forever, regardless of what you've done in your life put your trust in Jesus. And so if you're here this morning, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, I want to encourage you to give your heart to the Lord this morning. He loves you so very much. Let's pray as a church family. All eyes closed, all heads bowed. If you're here this morning and you've never made that decision to say, you know what, God, I, I, I know, maybe I know you're real and I've heard about Jesus or I've been around church or maybe I haven't been around church, but I personally have never taken that step to say, for me, for my life, Jesus, you're going to be my Lord. I put my faith and trust in you. You be my Lord. You be my leader. With all eyes closed and all head bowed, if that's you and you want to pray this prayer for the first time, would you raise your hand? Just let me know who you are. I'll apply my faith with yours. And same online. Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. I receive your love this morning and I declare with my mouth and I believe with my heart that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and he is my Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To further connect with us at Alive, visit us at alivefamily.church. And remember, People matter and Jesus is alive.